when I was a boy, I was my granddad's shadow. Everywhere my granddad would go, I would go with him. My granddad had this spot. It was simply called the tree. That's where him and some other retirees would go and they would hang out under the tree. It was under that tree that I learned about life. It was under that tree that I learned how my granddaddy saw things. It was under that tree where, as a boy, I gained a whole lot of memories. It was under that tree that I realized that I never ever wanted to drink, smoke cigarettes, or chew tobacco. One day we were under that tree and my granddad and his friend took out their pocket knives and and when they took out their pocket knife, they start cutting something. And I saw it, and being a little boy, curious, I ran over to my granddad. I was like, Granddad, what's that? He said, Boy, this is backer. This is backer, boy, and you don't want any of it. I said, Granddaddy, yes, I do. He said, Youngin, you don't want any of this backer. I'm trying to tell you, you don't want any of this backer, youngin. And I kept on bothering with my granddad, so my granddad said, okay, and he cut me a piece of that backer. And I put that backer in my mouth. And boy, that was the most miserable thing that I had ever done in my whole life. It was disgusting. And I'm standing there and I'm making faces. My granddaddy said, youngin, don't you waste my good backer. You got to chew it, youngin, chew it. So as I began to chew, the juice started to come. I didn't have sense enough to spit the juice, so I swallowed the juice. It was under the tree that I decided that I never ever wanted any more backup. All the days of my life. For me, the tree is a place that I call Canaan. It's a place where memories are made. It's a place where I remember the good things that happened in life. But what I realized that the tree really wasn't about the tree. The tree was about the time that I got to spend with my granddaddy. Are you listening to me? I remember one other thing that happened there. My, I don't know when drinking and driving became illegal. But if it was illegal when I was a little boy, my granddad should have been locked up a long time. My granddad would go to a place. He would go to the bar, not a place, to the bar. I don't know if anybody remember this, but they would make you drink. You pull up to the window and you order what you want, and, and they would give it to you through the window. And I can remember being with my granddad. My granddad would order his drink and I would stick my little head out the back seat and say, I want whatever my granddad is having. And my granddaddy told me one time, he said, youngin, I'm going to tell your daddy on you. And I said, granddaddy, please don't. Please don't tell my daddy. So it came time for my daddy to get off work. My granddaddy said, youngin, come here. I ran across that field. He said, I'm going to do you a favor today. I'm not going to tell your daddy on you. 
If I don't tell on you, don't you tell on me. Uh, Are y'all with me so far? Canaan was a good place for me. Canaan was a place that, that I enjoyed stuff because I was hanging with my granddaddy. This particular passage starts and it talks about Canaan. It says, so he came again to Canaan in Galilee where he had made water wine. Canaan is a good place. Anybody got any Canaans in their lives? And I'm not talking about Canaan in the natural. I'm talking about Canaan in the spiritual. When God showed up and he did the impossible. When God showed up and he brought joy in your life. Because that's what Canaan was. Canaan was a place of joy because their wine was running out. Jesus showed up and he turned water into wine. So much so that the people there, they were excited. They said, wait a minute. That in most cases, you bring the best wine out first. And then when men are well drunk, you bring out the inferior. He says, but in this case, you have saved the best for last. What I'm trying to see from anybody in the room is that, does anybody remember that when times were looking bad, when you didn't know how you were going to make it, but God showed up, and when God showed up, he showed out. Does anybody have any Canaan moments in their lives? That when God did it, no, nobody was wondering who did it. They knew that God had did it. They knew that Jesus had turned the water into wine. Do you have any moments in your life when you know it was nobody but Jesus? Listen, listen, that there was nobody but him. Listen, other people may have assisted, but it was through him that it was completed. Those are Canaan moments. As we get here, we, this story goes on and it talks about a man whose son was at the point of death. He goes to where he hears Jesus is. He goes there and he says to Jesus, my son is at the point of death. Come, come, come go with me. He wants Jesus to go with him to do whatever he did in Canaan to his son who's at the point of death. He wants Jesus to come and heal his son. He wants Jesus to come make a way out of no way. He wants Jesus to come do what only he could do. Listen to me. He's at the point of death, y'all. At the point of death, that means there's no return from him. There's no place for him to go but death. So he goes to Jesus and he speaks to Jesus. He wants Jesus to come and do something for his son. And look what Jesus says to him. All y'all want is signs. All y'all want is signs. Isn't that pretty harsh? But listen, listen, you got to understand that this man was an official and he didn't travel by himself. Y'all, does anybody ever see, does our president ever try by himself, travel by himself? Listen, he got people that go before him. He got people who follow him. Why? Because he's the president. Even our mayor, he don't go. You may see him walking by himself, but trust me, there's some folk that done went before him. 
to make sure everything's all right. And there's some folk that's coming behind him just in case the folk been looking and watching, thinking now he by himself. So here's what happened. This official, he's not traveling by himself. So when Jesus says, you, you want signs, all you want is signs, he's not just talking to the man, he's talking to everybody around him. So he's saying, all you want is signs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, listen, Missouri has this thing, they're the show me state. Are y'all with me? They are the show me state. In other words, they're saying that we're not gullible. You can't just tell us anything. You can't just say that and expect us to believe it. You got to show us some sign. Let me tell you something. As Christians, we can't afford to be that way with God. We can't afford to tell God, you got to show me a sign before I leave. believe. Yo, we've got to believe before we see this thing. I, I want us to look at this man as, as he goes there. He says, he goes to Jesus his son is at the point of death. Jesus tells him, Jesus says to him, all you want is signs. He doesn't even hear that. It's like he doesn't hear it because he says, listen, my son is really sick. Listen, my, my son is really sick. They may want a sign, but I need you to heal my son. They, they, they may want to see you turn water into wine. I want you to raise my son up. Anybody had any of those moments that you really don't need a sign? You just need him to do what he can do. So here it is. So Jesus says to him, go and your son going to live. Go on, your, your, your son should live. So he, he goes, he turns and goes. He goes, but at this point, he does not have complete faith. He doesn't have complete faith yet. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. He goes, the Bible says he goes believing. He goes hoping. He goes this belief that's like, I know he can. I just don't know if he will. Any, anybody remember the story about the, the centurion whose son was sick? He goes to Jesus and tells him his son is sick. And Jesus said some words to him. He says, do you believe? He said, I do, but help my unbelief. Listen, this is where this man is. God, I know you can do it, but my son is sick. Y'all ever been there? That, that you're going through something, you know he's able to do it, you just don't know if he will? Oh, y'all acting like he's always answered every prayer for you. You, you acting like you ain't never had to go back and ask him for something again. Is there anybody here that, 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 that has asked him one time and he did it the first time every time? Some of us had to pray again and again for the same thing, not because we didn't trust God, but it's simply like it just seems so difficult. Will this happen for me? Jesus even says this, you've got to believe before you see. Y'all remember what he told Thomas? What Thomas says? Thomas says this, unless I can put my fingers in his side, unless, unless I see it for myself, I'm not going to believe. But when Jesus shows up, he says, my God. Listen, now he wants to believe. What does Jesus say to him? Jesus is not impressed that he believes because he sees. He says, blessed are those that see 
that believe before they see. So what I'm trying to get us to see, you see a man who goes to God with weak faith, with faltering faith. He, he trusts God, but, but he's at a place where I know he can, I just don't know if he will. I, I know he can, but I just don't know if he will. Do you know that God is able to do anything that we need him to do? But how many people have the assurance that he will do everything that you want him to do? It, it does not matter that, that, that he does not do it. It's that he can do it. Does anybody remember the, the Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace? Does anybody remember what they say? Our God is able. <laughs> look, look. Even if he don't, we still ain't going to do what you say. Our God is able. We need to get to a place that we will worship Jesus even if he don't do what we want him to do. Anybody remember Daniel in the lion's den? Daniel's in the lion's den. Look, look, I, I don't know what it was like, but if I can use my spiritual imagination, I believe Daniel got in the lion's den and went to sleep. While they outside waiting, I believe Daniel say, Lion, you don't want to bother with me. I ain't good meat. You don't want to eat me. And he went on and took a nap. The next day, they come to get Daniel, and Daniel's like, what y'all rushing for? I was all right in here. Listen, when you know who God is, you can be faced with trials and tribulation and trouble and say, God, I will trust you. I'm not advocating for anybody to say, put me in the lion's den. I'm not telling you to say, put me in the lion's den, but what I'm saying is that if you are in the lion's den, you can trust God. If you are in the lion's den, you can go to sleep, either trusting in him or the lion eating. You're one or the one way or the other. You're going to go to sleep. I'm just telling the truth. So you might as well sleep with Jesus. Because if they put us in a modern day lion's den, my, 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 put me in there, a lion going to have a good meal. And I'm good meat. I've been through some stuff. I ain't tough as I look, I'm tender. I'm easy chewing, but I know who he is. So if I got to go in the lion's den, I trust him. So here he is. This man has faith, but he needs help with that which he cannot see. So he has faith. Then he has faith in the words of Jesus. Being an official he understood, just like the satirian did, that when you got power, when you are a man of authority, your words have power. Are y'all with me? You know, you know kind of like in the house. Mom and daddy are in positions of authority. And when they say something, guess what happened? Their words have power. You know, I mean, you, you, maybe you get up in age a little bit and it doesn't matter, but I'm, I'm talking about that childlike faith. That when mama said go sit down, 
you go sit down. Y'all, y'all know when she, she called you by your whole name? Look, that's all she got to say. Willie Addison Jr., I freeze. Whatever I'm doing, I stop. I know it's in my best interest to go somewhere and sit down. Are, are y'all with me? So if your children don't listen to you the first time, call them by their whole name. But change your tone when you call them the second time. So, so, so he understood that, that a person in authority, that his words had power. That's the only way that he could turn and walk away. When Jesus says to him, go, your son shall live. Because he went there wanting Jesus to come back with him. But Jesus says to him, go, your son shall live. So he turns around and he leaves and he goes to, to go home. Bible says that when he's on this journey, he's met by some of his servants. And his servants say to him, your son is getting better. Your son, your son ain't sick no more. And he says, when did this happen? They say yesterday about the seventh hour. And he goes back and he says, wait a minute. That is at the moment that Jesus told me that my son would live. Isn't that good stuff, y'all? What's good about this is the man went to Jesus because he believed Jesus can do it. He just didn't know if Jesus could, would do it. He went, he left believing the word that Jesus says. Now he's at a point where he had weak faith. He had faltering faith. He didn't know what would happen. Now he's at a place where it was nobody but Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That it was nobody but him. There's no doubt in his mind that Jesus healed his son. There's no question that it was Jesus because he goes, wait a minute, it's at that hour that Jesus said my son will live. Now my son's live. Y'all, we need to get to a place that no matter what happens, that we trust God because we have to get to a place where you say, you know what? That was nobody but God. There was nobody but him. The reason my son lives is not because he willed it. Not because the father willed him to live. It's because the father trusts Jesus. It's because he knew that it was Jesus and Jesus alone. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I can look back over my life and I can think about some things that has happened to me. And I know that it was nobody but Jesus that it was nobody but him. It's, this is not a story about death, but y'all know I told you before that God allowed me the great privilege of being a police officer. And so I was a police officer, and I wanted a position that came open. I prayed to God for that position. I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I went to the interview. I didn't get that position. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed again. The position came open again. I went to God and I still did not get that position. And I began to thank God. I've done this. I've done this. I've done everything that's required of me. The person that got it, I'm much better officer than he is. How did he get this position? So at this point, y'all, I am beginning to doubt my abilities to get promoted. I'm praying, I'm asking God, 
But I ain't really believing. I know God can do it for me, but I'm, I'm really not believing. So some months later, after I had almost forgotten about the position, the man, uh, a sergeant of the unit comes to me and tells me, as long as I am the sergeant of this unit, you'll never get promoted. So listen, I don't forgot about it. I'm moving on. But he comes to me and he tells me, you, you'll never get it. And in my mind, I'm thinking, wow. Maybe he write out, I'll never get it. Months go by again. I get a call from the same sergeant who told me as long as he was in charge that I would never get it. He called me. He said, come to my office. I get in my car and I go to his office. He says, are you still interested in that position? I said, yes, Sarge. He said, well, it's yours. Listen, listen. It, it gets better. It gets better. I get that position. The next year, in that position, I was officer of the year. It, it gets better. Because the next year, not only am I the officer of the year in my department, I'm also the runner-up for the officer of the year for the whole county. It gets better. Because it's on the letters that the guy who said, as long as he was the sergeant, I would never get in the unit. He wrote letters. He did things. Watch this, y'all. Now, he may have wrote the letters, but it was nobody but God working on his heart. It was nobody but God. Listen, you know, we'll begin to say, well, I prayed and I just prayed and this happened and that happened. Yeah, we're supposed to pray. But it was God and his own timing. Not only did I get the position, but I was officer of the year. Not only was I an officer of the year, I was a runner up for the whole entire county. Trust me when I tell you, God can come into some situations that seem dead and bring them back to life. I want us to know that God can do anything. Listen, and he was working with a man who had wavering faith. He was working with me who was praying but really not believing. What I'm trying to tell us is oftentimes we, we begin that we can make God do something. He ceases to be God if we can make him do anything. If I can... If, if I can make him a puppet, trust me, y'all, I wouldn't have one problem. And some of y'all, watch this, that I like, you wouldn't have no problems either. Are, are you listening to me? That's, that's how we would all operate. That's how we would all operate. We have people that we're going to work out stuff for, and we ain't going to work out nothing for y'all because I'm a little bit mad at y'all. Aren't you glad that ain't the way God operates? Y'all, y'all, we'll have all our friends hooked up and everybody we don't like, they're going to have all the problems. So here it is. Here it is. We don't, we don't need no signs. We don't need no signs. We just need to go to Jesus. We need to go to him and let him do. Because th- there's something that happened that day. I see three 
miraculous things that happened. The boy was healed. The father believed. And his whole household was saved. Trust me, that was nobody but the Lord. That's nobody. Anybody praying for their children? Anybody praying for their children? Anybody praying for a situation that only God can fix? So when God do it, don't you run around and say, well, I was praying and I was doing this. Yeah, you were praying. Thank God you were praying. But it was God who moved. It was God who did it. Y'all, listen, we need to trust God. We don't, we don't, need, we don't need no signs. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't need no chairs to be flipped. We don't need none of that for God to work. What we see is God at the wedding. Jesus shows up at the wedding to say that I am the giver of joy. We see him show up and he cleanses the temple. He says, you won't have to worship in this place no more. I am the new temple. You see him talking to Nicodemus and he says to Nicodemus, you don't have to worry about that because I am the giver of new life. He sees the woman at Samaria at the well and he says to her, you don't have to worry about getting water from here anymore. For I am the savior of the world. And we see him here saying, I am able to overcome death. So because Jesus died, he is our joy. He is our place of worship. He is our new life. He is the savior of the world. And he defeats death. He can do what we think is impossible. You know why Jesus was able to do it? You know why he was able to do this? Because his father turned his back on him. His father turned his back on him. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And he says, not my will, but thine will be done. So Jesus got up, marched to Calvary, hung on a cross. He died for my sins and for your sins. I'm so glad that Jesus did not stay dead. I'm so glad that early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And right now, that same Jesus is able to turn whatever situation in your life around that needs to be turned around. You don't have to have perfect faith. You don't have to be perfect for Jesus to work in your life. Is anybody happy about that? I'm excited that I don't have to be perfect because I'm subject to say something to make everybody in this room mad all at the same time. I ain't by myself. I know I'm not. 
I'm subject to look at somebody wrong and offend you. But I'm still God's vessel. I want to encourage you. It's because of Jesus. He's not expecting us to be perfect. Jesus will meet you right where you are. Amen. I'm glad he didn't put no stipulations on it, y'all, because I will mess up every time. I don't need any signs. I just need the Jesus who's able to do it. Because he died. Because his father turned his back on him. Your son can live. Your daughter can live. That thing you thought you would never get over, you can get over it because Jesus died. That thing that's been chasing you for years and years and years, you can outrun it. Because Jesus died. Because Jesus, you can have the victory. Let us pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you again. We thank you for knowing that it's because you turned your back on Jesus that we can have a new life, that we can have victory. It's because of what Jesus did. We can be made whole. So, Father, we thank you today. We say no signs are needed. We trust Jesus. We thank you for what he did for us. In Jesus' name, amen.